Welcome to the Rock Your World Naturally podcast, the place where women from around the world come to discover God's plan for health in body, soul, and spirit. I'm your host, Rakesia McMillan, award-winning author, Air Force veteran, and health evangelist. I'm passionate about sharing biblical truth, scientific research, and practical lifestyle approaches to help heal your world naturally. You're listening to podcast episode 23, my exclusive interview with Jeffrey Rasley, 10-time author, award-winning photographer, and adventure traveler. I'm your host, Rakesia McMillan, certified integrative nutrition health coach and health evangelist. My assignment to the body of Christ is to help women and communities heal their world naturally in spirit, soul, and body. If you'd like to know more about how you can heal your world naturally, you can visit me on the web at rockyourworldnaturally.com. You can find me on Facebook and LinkedIn at Rock Your World Naturally and on Twitter, Rock Your World 28. Thank you to all of our new and returning listeners. In this podcast, I had the distinct pleasure of hosting Jeffrey Rasley, where we discuss his most recent book, You Have to Get Lost Before You Can Be Found, a memoir of suffering, grit, and love of the Himalayas in Basa Village. His book is an adventure travelogue through the Himalayan region in prose and photos. This memoir traces his transition from an adventurous trekker and mountain climber to a committed philanthro trekker. It carries themes of how you can become the best version of yourself. Jeff has published numerous articles in academic and mainstream periodicals, including Newsweek, Chicago Magazine, ABA Journal, Family Law Review, the Journal of Communal Societies, and Friends Journal. He is an award-winning photographer, and his pictures taken in the Himalayas and Caribbean and Pacific Islands have been published in several journals. He has appeared as a featured guest in over 80 radio and podcast programs. Jeff is engaged in social activism and philanthropic efforts from an early age. In high school, he co-founded the Goshen Walk for Hunger. In law school, he was an advocate for renters' rights as the leader of the first rent strike in Indiana, and he served as a lobbyist and president of the Indianapolis Tenants Association. As an attorney for legal services organization, he was the lead counsel on two class action suits on behalf of prisoners, which resulted in judgments requiring the construction of two new jails in central Indiana. Jeff founded free legal clinics at two inner city churches. He was the lead plaintiff in a class action requiring the cleanup of the White River after it was polluted by an industrial chemical spill. Jeff is the founder and former president of the Basa Village Foundation USA, which raises money for culturally sensitive development work in the Basa area of Nepal. He currently serves as president of Scientech, which promotes science education and is a director of five other nonprofit organizations. Jeff retired from the practice of law in 2010. He is a partner in the ebook publishing company Midsummer Books and provides writer coaching services. 
He is the U.S. liaison for the Nepal-based Himalayan expedition company Adventure Gotrex Ltd. He has taught classes for IUPUI, Continuing Education Program, Indiana Writers Center, and Butler and Marion Universities. Jeff is a graduate of the University of Chicago, AB Magna Cum Laude, Phi Beta Kappa, All-Academic All-State Football Team and Letter Winner in Swimming and Football, Indiana University School of Law, Juris Doctorate Cum Laude, Moot Court and Indiana Law Review, Christian Theological Seminary, Masters of Divinity Magna Cum Laude, Co-Valedictorian and Faculty Award Scholar, he has been admitted to the Indiana U.S. District Court and U.S. Supreme Court bars. Jeff is an avid outdoorsman and recreational athlete. He leads trekking mountaineering expeditions in Nepal and has also solo kayaked around several Pacific Island groups. He also loves to read and considers completing Marcel Proust's 3,600-page Remembrance of Things Past as great as an adventure as climbing Himalayan peaks and solo kayaking Pacific Islands. Ladies and gentlemen, please help me welcome to our show, Mr. Jeff Rasley, 10-time author, award-winning photographer, and adventure traveler. Namaste, Rakisha. How are you? Oh, I am wonderful. I am doing great. And I am uh, so looking forward uh, to our show today, Jeff. And I know that our listeners are going to just enjoy what you have to offer today. Thanks. I'm, I'm looking forward to our chat as well. Oh, and usually before I get started with the show, I always open up with an icebreaker question. So I just want to ask, Jeff, what are you doing in your life right now that is simply rocking your world naturally? <laughs> oh, uh, great question. And other than feeding my fat cat. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, <clears throat> well, I had a book published recently, and so... I'm in the what is the least enjoyable part about being an author, which is uh, trying to engage uh, somewhat um, most every day in uh, marketing the book. Mm. <clears throat> and uh, I that doesn't really rock my world because <laughs> I, I much prefer the, the writing and research to the mm -hmm. marketing. But so... I would say the writing and completing the book uh, was recent enough that I can say that's what's rocked my world recently. Oh, wonderful. And in addition to writing, Jeff, you are a man of many, many talents and you are an award-winning photographer. You're a writer. You're a lawyer. You um, were given keys to the city for the philanthropy philanthropy work that you've done just all throughout the world with with so many different hats that you wear that you you um how do you balance life in the midst of just so many different responsibilities well first i i, I think you must have been talking to my mom to uh 
have, <laughs> <laughs> have given such a laudatory introduction. I'm, I'm, if you talk to my wife, it wouldn't have been <laughs> laudatory. But thanks. That's very kind. Um, <clears throat> well, in, in terms of balance, um, I've always tried to approach, I mean, really from a, <clears throat> excuse me, from a pretty young age, trying to have a balance of life when I was uh, in school, uh, through high school and college, I played sports, I worked, uh, I also worked very hard at academics, so I was a good student. Um, and that, and I really, I, I have to say this sounds kind of conventional and trite, but I think being an athlete helped mm. because mm. when you're playing sports and you're you know practicing regularly and you have homework and everything else going on in your life as a young person, you learn how to um, be uh, frugal with your time, uh, to allocate your time carefully. And you know that carried over uh, through law school and being a lawyer and now, um, retired from law, but writing, <clears throat> um, running a foundation, um, serving on nonprofit boards, um, trying to be a good husband and take mm -hmm. care of this fat cat that is now, <laughs> now bellowing right at my feet and demanding attention. Oh, of course they do. It's like that. You know, they're like our, our kids, our children. They vie for our attention. They might not be around us all day, but then when we're engaged in something else, <laughs> they want to be right there with you. Yeah, I think he wants to be part of the interview. Oh, he's welcome. <laughs> He's very, very welcomed. And so I, I, I want to hit on a key point where you said that being involved in sports at a young age kind of really helped to mold and shape the path um, that you have, have followed um, throughout the course of your life. And I agree with you so much because there's so many um, good principles and values that we gain, whether it's learning how to work with someone or learning how to become disciplined or um, just being able to follow leadership and, and working with one another. It just brings all those different components into our lives when we are younger, when we do engage in those type of sports activities. Yeah, I, I agree, especially the discipline you know, I mean, playing playing sports, uh, the practice, it's hard. You know, you're tired when you're finished, and yet you have to go home and do your homework or go to your job. <clears throat> uh, and along with sports, uh, I worked uh, from the time I was 12 years old uh, through junior high school, high school, college, law school, and so on. <clears throat> so. You know, a, a discipline uh, and just knowing how to um, take care of time, ma time management um, mm -hmm. is important. And that, of course, definitely played an important part of that, is along with just the self-discipline mm -hmm. to uh, accept pain. Uh, mm. You know, when, and I played lots of different sports, football, swimming, track rugby, um, et cetera. But the, the, the one that required the most discipline of all was swimming. 
Just looking at this black line yeah. <laughs> as you swim lap after lap uh, is, is really a matter of pain, physical and mental pain management, mm-hmm. which wasn't a lot of fun at times, but it, it definitely uh, helped me through difficult times when I had to just, you know, bear down and, and sure. do it. Sure. And so in addition to the discipline that you gain from the sports, um, something that I also found very interesting about you, Jeff, is that you were also engaged in social activism at a young age um, with the Goshen Walk for Hunger. Yeah, that was can, when I was in high school. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. Uh, it's, a, it's a great memory. Um, there was a, a small... A group of us who were student activists as uh, teenagers in high school uh, who were concerned about a lot of issues from the dress code at our high school, which we thought was unfair, to the war in Vietnam, to civil rights, uh, all the major issues back in the late 60s and early 70s. Um, but we, you know, eventually we got to a point where, we thought, okay, so, but what can we actually do that's worthwhile on more than just an immediate impact on our own school? And uh, what we came up with was this walk for hunger. And mm-hmm. so we uh, got almost every student in our high school, and we, we had about uh, just under 900 students in the high school, pledged a little bit of money, got parents to pledge money, got businesses to pledge money, uh, the mayor and the principal of the high school, uh, myself and my girlfriend, the two of us were kind of the key organizers, led the walk. And we raised uh, several thousand dollars, which back then was a lot more valuable than it is now. Uh, which we then donated to uh, various charities, some that were local to attack hunger issues and some that were international to um, help hunger in what we then called third world areas. Mm -hmm. Wow, I just think that is a beautiful example, display of just humanity reaching out. And it just takes that, that one idea of how you can make an how you can make a change, how you can make an impact, and before you know, it'll form and and be established into something that's worthwhile and lasting um, to impact so many lives for the better. Yeah, and that certainly uh, kind of started me off on a road of where I've tried to uh, continue that. Uh, interest, concern, and sense of compassion for both local issues as well as as national and international issues and, you know, try to give back. I've been very fortunate. I was born into a middle-class family, uh, got a good education, became a lawyer, was able to do quite well financially. And so, you know, I'm, I'm one of the people who have benefited from the efforts of others and you know, feel very strongly that all of us who can 
uh, should give back to those not you know to the the world at large but sure those less fortunate than we are oh yeah and i think that that's what helps to keep our community strong it helps us to stay united you know within our communities when we're just in a sense serving one another and just if we see a need that's there seeing how we can fill and meet that need um, helps us again to to unite and to be stronger as a whole right absolutely and and what you touched on the communal aspect of that you know in the the modern world where we're more and more separated alienated from mm-hmm. our neighbors and a sense of uh, community yeah you know doing uh, you know charitable work philanthropic efforts connects you with sometimes people you would never come across and you're mm-hmm. like working in a food bank if you're a, yes you know somebody that's pretty well off you're generally not running into people who need food to get through. right so um yeah uh and that's i mean that's one of the main themes that i've tried to write about uh is how we really have to work harder at building a sense of community than we ever have before because it's so easy to become isolated mm-hmm. you know, just to to live to live through a screen and a device yeah and you know you're so right jeff and i'm just thinking about it in my own personal life just growing up and community was so different because you your parents knew the parents that were in the neighborhood the kids knew one another you played together um, there were certain things that you did together as a, a community and now it's like very different you know even the definition of of you know our youth when they say hey we're going to get together and hang out it's not actually connecting physically, but they're all inside on some kind of digital device playing some type of um, game versus being outside versus connecting. But I'm a strong supporter that sometimes we just have to shut down um, all those things that would seek to disconnect us and be purposeful in making that connection in our communities, whether it's a neighbor, whether it's volunteering, you know, at a local food bank, a shelter. Again, just being present makes all the difference uh, with giving back. Yeah, and um, as we live more and more in these silos, which are so easily created by, our smartphones and all of the, the the ways that we can entertain and stimulate ourselves through screens. There's a lot of sociological and psychological evidence to show that this just it's not good for our mental and emotional health. Mm-hmm. That physical presence, you know, being with other human beings um, in communal relations is good (laughs) oh yeah absolutely absolutely yeah Yeah, you're right because i think we were 
created to be relational beings. <laughs> you know, it, it's just having that connection with others that gives us that purpose. It gives us more depth, I think, as a, as a society, as a people um, overall. Having that, again, that relational connection is so essential. Yeah, well, that's, that's why I said namaste, Rakesha. Yes, <laughs> for sure. For sure. Um, in your latest book, and I love the title of it, Jeff, where it says, you have to get lost before you can be found. And you shared that there are certain themes throughout the book about finding your best self. It's about relationship as well as community involvement. So can you talk a little bit about your journey in writing the book and how it actually came about? Yeah, thanks. Well, the book, uh, each chapter in the book uh, centers around uh, an actual experience I had uh, in going into the Himalayan region, um, mostly uh, in Nepal, but also in an area of uh, the Himalayas in India called Ladakh. But anyway, so each chapter tells a, a sort of a story of what it was like uh, trekking or mountaineering in these different places. Mm -hmm. And then each chapter also uh, provides uh, cultural and historical information about that part of the world. And then it, I try to develop um, the ultimate theme of becoming your better self through communal relations, um, but also individually developing yourself spiritually uh, mm -hmm. and uh, healthy, you know, physically healthy, spiritually, psychologically healthy, and being connected with community. Mm -hmm. and so the, the title, You Have to Get Lost Before You Can Be Found, um, comes from a specific experience, uh, which is sort of a, a metaphor uh, for the entire book. But and it's the very last chapter. I was actually I got lost uh, on a mountain by myself in the Himalayas. Mm -hmm. I did something really stupid. Oh wow! <laughs> I, I, I climbed this mountain. Uh, without uh, our guide. I mean, I was with a, a group and mm. I got impatient because other people in the group weren't up to climbing that day. And so I went on my own and then I got lost. Mm. And so I went through this experience of being, you know, truly very isolated, very, very alone, scared, um, bordering on panic. And then I managed to find my way back to our group, to our little community. Yeah. And so the, the, the little arc of that story uh, describes, you know, what it's like to be isolated and how that's not a good place to be. <laughs> mm, yeah. uh, and how then being connected with the community, being with people that care about you and you care about them, you find uh, fulfillment in that kind of relationship. So that's 
yeah, that, that's what the book is about. Wow, that's fascinating. And I and I'm just so stuck on that that first part. Like sometimes you do have to get lost in whatever the journey is, whether it's climbing a mountain or whether it's um, going through situations in life that sometimes we might have to lose ourselves in a sense. And sometimes I think that might have a different meaning for everyone, whether it's dying to your own personal agenda or um, traveling down a different path or a road you never expected to take, you know, on your journey called life. Um, There's just so many different, different ways of just really looking at that to where you have to do some um, self-reflection, some inner soul searching um, to truly, truly find who you are and what you're, you're meant to do, you know, while you're here um, on this earth. Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. And uh, I personally went through sort of a classical midlife crisis when I turned 40. Mm. Uh, For some years, I was so focused on building a career in law and success in business uh, and also on my kids. I had two young boys and I really wanted to be an involved father. And so I was giving so much of myself to work, making money, raising kids, that I also lost um, some of myself. Mm. I became increasingly dissatisfied and sort of just, you know, upset. And it was ridiculous because you look at my life and you think, wow, you know, this guy's it's he's what a great life. He's got a wonderful wife, two boys, um, law career is going great. And yet he's unhappy. Mm. (laughs) I mean, it just seemed like while I was feeling that at the same time, I realized this is crazy, but there's something wrong. My wife was the one who put her finger on it said, you know, you've always been a very adventurous and love to travel and challenge yourself in physical ways. And, you know, I just, I wasn't doing that, that part of myself and also tending to some, to my spiritual uh, self, you know, is letting that go. Um, and she said, go do this and slap sure mm. down in front of me. And it was about going and trekking the Mount Everest base camp trail in Nepal. Mm. That was her suggested therapy. And mm. it was wonderfully insightful. And it worked well because when you're climbing up, and this is trekking, not actually climbing, but, but trekking up these really, really high uh, hills and mountains, you just kind of concentrate on putting one foot in front of the other mm, yeah. and then when you get to camp uh, you feel just this wonderful sense of utter exhaustion but accomplishment mm-hmm. and focus on yourself in terms of you know wh- where are you spiritually where are you yeah. and uh, that kind of eventually brought 
me back, although it took more than just one truck to do it. <laughs> Sometimes that is the case that <laughs> it is going to take more than <laughs> one adventure, you know, to help us to really, really, truly, truly see clearly. Um, so you can you share a little bit about your experience, like um, being in that region of the world? Um, and what were some of the lessons that you've learned, whether that's with the cultural experience of being in Nepal or what was that like for you, Jeff? Yeah, thanks. Well, uh, initially, what I, I just wanted to do was to have a, a great adventure, you know, see a part of the world I'd never seen before, challenge myself by seeing if I could get up these big mountains. And that that was great. Um, I you know I did learn a lot about uh, the Hindu and Tibetan culture of mm -hmm. Nepal and India. Uh, but eventually, what really <laughs> stuck with me was kind of beyond the sort of self-indulgent adventure side of the travel was how these people who compared to Americans are so poor were mm. so happy. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> and they, I just kept, especially up in the mountains, you know, not, not so much in the cities, uh, yeah. the mountains, these people who are subsistence farmers, you know, they grow what they eat, they eat what they grow, and that's how mm -hmm. they survive. And mm -hmm. you think, you know, Man, these folks would just be miserable. Mm -hmm. uh, they um, they're delightful, fun, engaged. Yes. Um, very have this this wonderful ethic of welcoming the stranger. Yeah. So after uh, a few years of experiencing that, you know, I I wanted to give back to these people and to become more engaged with them, and so I eventually started a foundation which focuses on one um, particular remote area uh, in a, a village that I had gotten to know because the, the, the guys from this village had worked as my guides and cooks and porters on expeditions, which I eventually began organizing and leading. Um, and uh, so that village became kind of my second home and my uh, second community. Mm. Wow. And, you know, I think within the Western culture, Jeff, that there are so many distractions. There are so many things around us that kind of um, distract us, I think, from focusing on what we truly value in life to where when and I've had that experience too, visiting other cultures that are just happy with the simplicity of just being, <laughs> mm -hmm. the simplicity of just being. It's not, you know, the technology, it's not the hustle and bustle, it's just being present in the moment and just enjoying community, it's enjoying people, and it's not having all the extra stuff, <laughs> you mm -hmm. know, that we have here, but it's just a, a totally different um, perspective on life, I guess you could say. 
Well, you know what you mentioned before about uh, growing up in a neighborhood where the kids played together and everybody knew each other and parents and grandparents and so forth. You know, I, I had that same experience, but then living in Chicago and living in London and living in Indianapolis, mm -hmm. uh, I have sometimes, you know, not even known the person who lives next door. Right. But the, these folks that live in these mountain villages, they can recite five generations back. Everybody. Wow. And it's because they're because they don't have all these distractions. It's people, it's relationships, it's the, their neighbors, their village. That's what's so important to them. And um, it. it you know, it's it's very fulfilling. Um, it's definitely not as stimulating in the sense of, you know, my God, I can turn on my TV and there's a hundred different movies and shows mm -hmm. that I can watch uh, and I can be stimulated 24 hours a day just with that television set. Yeah. But that's by myself. Whereas mm -hmm. these, they don't have that. But right. they, they have each other. Yeah. And you're right. And that's that's the, the, the big difference. And again, just having that connectivity with with one another and again, not so focused on all the distractions of life like we have here in the Western world. Mm -hmm. Is there any other thing, Jeff, that you'd like to share um, with our guests today? Well, I, you know, Rakesha, I think we've really uh, covered the topics that I thought mm -hmm. I might be able to offer of some value to your listeners. And uh, I, I guess what I would want to leave with is just a reminder um, that, you know, there's sort of a, a few basic components of human being. And look after each one of those uh, in yourself. Uh, be healthy, uh, you know, exercise, eat well, tend to your spiritual self, recognize that you are more than just your body, mm -hmm. and, and be part of a wider community. Um, you know, it comes down to that uh, love other people and love yourself. So there you go. That's my message. Oh, that's wonderful. Spread love. <laughs> Spread love. Yeah, wonderful. So if our listeners want to find you, Jeff, where can they find you on the web? I have a website, uh, which is my full name, Jeffrey, J-E-F-F-R-E-Y, Raisley, R-A-S-L-E-Y, dot com. And that has... Uh, a list of my books. It has the Basa Village Foundation link uh, and some other uh, events I'm involved with. And if anybody is interested in going to the Himalayas, I still work with a, a trekking mountaineering company uh, over in Nepal, and I'd be glad to help connect people to have those kind of travel adventures. Wow, that's wonderful. This has certainly been an enlightening uh, interview, Jeff, and um, just an exciting one. And I, 
am just, again, grateful and thankful for the work that you've done um, philanthropy-wise and just all of the things that you are continuing to do to really be purposeful and keeping that connection with community. And I think that's something that we can all learn about and continue to to make a commitment to be purposeful and and helping to keep our our communities united and and strong as we connect with one another. Well, thank you for having me, Rakisha, and thank you for uh, for what you do in making that message known to many more people. Oh, thank you so much, Jeff, and it's been a pleasure hosting you today. Right. You take care. Take care, Jeff. For health tips, faith-based education, and inspiration, visit www.rockyourworldnaturally.com and on Facebook at Facebook forward slash rockyourworldnaturally and Twitter at twitter.com forward slash rockyourworld28.